Designing a logo can be great fun, especially when you have an effective workflow for turning your sketches and ideas into polished vector designs. I'm Martin Perhiniak, graphic designer, instructor and founder of Yes, I'm a Designer. We are teaching creative tools and techniques and provide inspiration to anyone interested in graphic design and illustration. In this episode, I will walk you through all the important steps of a professional logo design workflow from start to finish. We will cover the following main stages of the process, the project brief, research and inspiration, concept sketches, vector design, and finally, delivery and presentation to the client. It is almost impossible to create something exceptional without first having a really good brief. And it doesn't only apply to logo design, it's pretty much true for every kind of creative project. So your responsibility as the designer is to really make sure that you got every detail right before you get started on a project. So you have to sit down with the client if possible or talk through the brief or the objectives that they gave you. And if anything is not clear, make sure you ask questions. It really depends on your relation with the client, whether they want to see some examples of your work before and maybe point out some things that they like from it, or maybe even look at competitors' logos and again, ask the client which are the ones that they prefer. However, normally I prefer to stay away from the creative choices in the beginning and concentrate on things like the target audience, who are the typical customers that the client would like to impress and want to get their attention. And also it is very important to set the expectations right at the very beginning. So you have to agree on the deliverables, what you are going to present, how many variations the client can expect from you. Also how many rounds of revisions you will be able to supply for the agreed price. And finally, of course, you always need to ask for a deadline. That's a good thing for both you and the client because it's going to keep things moving and it will give a structure to your creative process. Now, before you agree to anything, always remember that you should never overpromise. So make sure that whatever you agree to, you're not only capable to deliver, but also you most likely will be able to exceed the expectations. For instance, if there is a tight deadline and you know that you can do, let's say, three logo variations in a day, then instead count and promise only two for each day that you are going to work on the project. This way you can keep your client happy and they will become a return customer because, again, you exceed their expectations. Let's move on to the second most important stage of the logo design process, which is the research phase or gathering inspiration. Now for this, I normally use Milanote, which is a brilliant online tool where you can really gather all visual assets or examples that you would like to use for a project. Now, of course, you can also use Pinterest boards or even create mood boards in Photoshop, whatever you are familiar with. The important thing is to collect as many examples as you can and organize them into themes or categories, whatever is going to make sense for you. You can prioritize looking at competitors' logos and logos from the same 
industry. However, that might give you a little bit of a tunnel vision and it's good to have a wider spectrum of examples. Whatever has a similar type of audience is going to work for research. And besides seeing many examples, the main reason why you are doing your research is to be inspired and to have ideas laid out in front of you. If I organize my research in main categories based on their style, and I always make sure that I don't let myself influence too much by the examples that I collected or the categories that I created. They are great for setting some direction and give a bit of a structure for my process, but I always keep myself some freedom to explore and to even cross in between these categories that I create. The next stage of the process is definitely the most fun and the most creative one. This is when you start sketching. Now, if you're not good at drawing, don't worry, because your sketches can be very simple. They can be rough thumbnails instead of being very detailed. And to be honest, it is not good to create too detailed sketches anyway, because again, they might force you to really follow everything and add all the same details once you get into Illustrator. So instead, it's good to keep them a little bit rough and depending on your drawing skills, you can judge what works for you. But please remember never to jump into Illustrator straight after you've done your research. You can start sketching already while you are researching because if an idea comes while you see some cool examples, you should note it down and you should record it because it is so easy to lose and forget some of those brilliant sparks that you get from looking at some inspiring work. Also, it's good not to limit yourself how many sketches you create. I would say minimum three is good and probably maximum 20, but you can have as many as you want. And if you have more than 10, I would always say it's good to filter the ideas down already. Maybe select around five, six that stands out and that you feel like is worth developing further. Now, once you have your sketches ready, it's time to jump into Illustrator. And what I would normally do is to set up a template layer. So that just helps to keep the sketches in the background and have everything faded so I can work easily on top of it. And this layer can easily be turned on and off, but by default, it's going to also be locked. So that just allows you to work easily on a separate layer on top of it. And it's important to create that empty new layer because Illustrator won't let you to work on a template layer. Now, once you start working and adding details, you will still see the template underneath. And occasionally you might want to just turn it off and turn it back on to be able to see it without the sketch. However, at this point, I'm not adding any fill colors yet. No gradients, no colors, just pure black and white details. The main reason I'm doing that is to be able to concentrate on more important things that will define a good composition like contrast, line density, hierarchy, and balance. However, if you have a large monitor, or even better, a second screen, there is another method that you can use. Having two separate windows allows you to even see different layers at the same time. This is extremely useful specifically for logo design, where you can also use this method to have one of the versions zoomed out while the other one is zoomed in. So you can work on small details, but always keep an eye on the overall design. I honestly feel like the best way of learning is by doing. So besides watching online courses and learn how to use specific tools like Illustrator, the fastest way you can improve is by actually working on projects. 
And being able to accept the criticism and take on the feedback and improve your work is so important. Just like for professional athletes, they have to push themselves to improve. The same thing is true for creatives. So you have to get out of your comfort zone to be able to improve. It's great if you can pack hidden messages and metaphors into your compositions, because with that, you can increase the proportional density of your logo, which is a very important term, and you should definitely learn about it. It basically means that the less elements you are using and the more meanings you can pack in your logo, the better. So it's basically like a ratio between the elements you are using and the meanings packed into your logo. And the higher that number is, the proportional density, the better your work is. But try to keep it at least around one, which means that you are using around the same amount of elements as the amount of meanings that you packed into your logo. Now I have one last tip for you and that is to keep in touch with your clients throughout the process. So don't just wait until the very end when you have the color versions, already send them even maybe the sketches, but definitely the vector outline versions without the colors, because this can really help you to find the direction that the client prefers. So you can really focus your time and effort on those variations that the client liked. And finally, when you're presenting your work to the client, make it look cool and include some nice mock-ups because it's always easier to visualize how it could look as a final product. I hope you found this episode of the Yes, I'm a Designer podcast useful and will motivate you to keep on learning whatever you decide to master. If you want to start learning from us, we recommend to join our pro membership, which will give you access to all of our courses and a lot of premium features, like getting personalized reviews of your submitted designs. You can find links in the description to all of our platforms and everything else related to the things we talked about in this show. Thanks a lot for listening and have fun learning.